Welcome to the weekly Comic Web Old Time Radio Program podcast. The Comic Web sells all the old time radio programs heard on our podcast, as well as comic books and more. Check out our Superman radio podcast, and we have a video podcast of the old movie cliffhanger serials. Go to our website, comicweb.com, for information on how to get them, or type the word Comic Web into iTunes and they'll pop up. This week we have two episodes of Frontier Fighters. Each episode is only about 12 minutes long. The episodes start with a few minutes of music intro, but to be honest, I cut that because it just seemed ridiculous. So, enjoy! Frontier Fighters! Frontier Fighters, the stirring tales of the men and women who have pushed the frontier of North America ever westward. In the 17th century, France gave to America many great men. Soldiers, statesmen, missionaries, above all the rest, stands the immortal figure of Sieur Robert Chevalier de La Salle. This gentle-born Frenchman's great ambition, his zest for explorations, his harshness and quick temper in the face of calamity, often got him into predicaments with his associates, his creditors, and the French authorities, both in Paris and in Canada. Hard-pressed financially, La Salle meets with his former sponsors. The time is early summer of 1681. It's 20 minutes uh, late. Late. I, I promised my wife I'd be home for dinner tonight. Oh, no, oh, so, La Salle, you're here at last. About time, too. Your pardon, monsieur. Oh, my goodness, I was detained. You wanted it this time. Gold again? Yes, monsieur, gold. Much gold to finance a grand expedition. He wants still more gold. Not only for his next expedition, but to pay off his creditors for his last adventuring. You state the case perfectly, monsieur. La Salle, you won't get a thin away from me. No, me. No, me. Monsieur, I implore you. It is for the glory of France. That's what you told us when we financed your silly voyage down the Ohio River to find China. Listen, you were insane then. You're still insane. China and the Americas. Everyone knows where China lies. Very well. Where lies China? China? Well, China is somewhere south and west. See, monsieur, there's your answer. What answer? The answer to all my adventurings in strange places financed by your gold. When none seem to know where any country lies, I take it upon myself to find it. And what do you bring back to us? Nothing. Monsieur, every hand in the French provinces of Canada is arrayed against me. Every hand but that belonging to one great noble. And pray tell us, who is this great noble whose hand is still extended to you in friendship? The governor of his majesty's provinces in Canada, Count de Frontenac. To Frontenac, the friend of Joliet, Marquette, and all the others of that deathless band of explorers and trailblazers, went La Salle. Friendless, penniless, hopeless. Yeah. Yes, Excellency? Must I ask you again for that letter from the king forbidding new land discoveries? I have it here, Excellency. Thank you. I will undoubtedly need it when La Salle arrives. Monsieur Robert, Chevalier de La Salle. I bid you welcome, La Salle. Be seated. Thank you. Oh, monsieur, you appear to have lost your last friend. Jacques, bring brandy. Yes, Excellency. I have lost all my friends but one. And who, LaSalle, may I ask, is the lone survivor of your regiment of friends and supporters? You, Excellency. A great honor. Excellency, I stand on the threshold of the greatest adventure of my career. Yet I'm a bankrupt. Gold again, eh? Gold, yes. But not so much gold as recognition. 
With your official approval of my new expedition, I can get gold, plenty of gold. Yeah, a letter. Yes, expensive. I have here a letter from the king. I'll read you a portion of it. Oh, let's see. Oh, yes, here. With regard to new discoveries, you will not address yourself to them excepting in great necessity. Stupid fool! Yeah, make no mistake. Our king is not stupid. A bit short-sighted, perhaps. At the moment, Louis XIV is engrossed with other affairs. Women, I'll wager. As one man to another, LaSalle, what new adventure is luring you into the wilderness? Gold or no gold, friends or no friends, supporters or no supporters. I intend to sail the entire length of the great water. And at its mouth, where it tumbles into the mighty gulf, I will plant the golden lilies of France, and should the need arise, defend them with my life. Driven ever onward by that mysterious force which thrusts all great men toward unknown frontiers, La Salle, at the end of August in the year 1681, had raised the funds for provisions and equipment, as well as men-at-arms, geographers, boatmen, hunters, guides, and Indian servants, to share his great adventure. Among the Frenchmen were Chevalier Henri de Tonte, an old and trusted companion of previous expeditions, Father Zenobi a missionary to look after the spiritual life of La Salle's band, and Dautre, son of the Attorney General of Quebec. Suffering intensely from cold, hunger, and privation, La Salle's party arrived at the mouth of the Illinois, February 6, 1682. Detained by more ice in the Mississippi, La Salle remained on its snow-covered banks until February 14th, when, the river partially cleared of ice, he resumed his journey southward to the Gulf. On March 1st, with the wind howling a gale around his shelters on the shore, LaSalle hears some distressing news. Monsieur LaSalle! Monsieur LaSalle! Who asks for LaSalle? What is it you desire? Where are you? It is I, Father Zenobi. The snowflakes blind me. Here, in the willows. Thank heavens I found you. Ah, Father Zenobi. Your spent father, Matron. Welcome. The hunter. He is missing. Since yesterday. Do not alarm yourself, Prudhomme will turn up. I fear he's been taken by his savages. What makes you think that? My son, we are being watched. I feel it. That's strange, father. I have the same feeling. Well, then you must protect those under your benevolences, my son. As usual, you're right, Father Zenobi. I must take measures. What measures? I'll start to build a fort at once. A makeshift fort of logs was hastily thrown together, and LaSalle's brave band herded inside its rough walls. One of the searching parties found Prudhomme, who had gone after wild turkeys to make broth for a sick Indian child and had lost his way in the blinding snowstorm. Leaving the warmth and security of the fort, which he named Prudhomme in honor of the hunter, LaSalle continued his voyage down the open channel of the Mississippi. On March 13th, after sailing 133 miles... LaSalle's fears of a possible attack by Indians were justified. Monsieur LaSalle, Monsieur LaSalle, rouse yourself. <sighs> what is it, Dauphin? Can you recommend these savages, sir, on the right bank, talking to their war drum? Huh? Well, certainly. I see fires, too. It's something. A 
Conte. Here, behind you. Come closer. Savages on the right bank. Uh, I hear the fires also. Give the signal to beat to all the canoes on the left bank. We must prepare for an attack. I wish it. To the left bank, all canoes. Seek something in the middle. Uh, in less than an hour, the explorers had constructed another small log fort in which the entire party huddled, while LaSalle and Detonte watched a canoe carrying three Indians approaching from the opposite side of the river. How soon do you judge the canoe will reach us? In a few moments. And secure my calumet, a pipe of peace. I will offer it to the chief. If he smokes, all goes well. I have your calumet here in my belt and give it to me. We beach the canoe. Chief disembarking. Two paddlers remain with the vessel. Are you composed, Tonte? Savages are greatly impressed by a serene countenance. My features are composed, but I fear they are frozen not from fear, but from cold. Chief approaches. Let us extend our right hands, palm outward. Who is the white chief of the many canoes from the north? Your fearless eyes rest upon him, O Red Chief. Your features tell me not. You bring peace or war? I bring peace. Will you smoke the calumet with me? I will smoke. Quick, Tante, the flints before he changes his mind. Ah. You first, my friend. Now you, my friend. Friend of red men. May the flame of friendship between the white man and the red man never be dimmed. LaSalle remained with the Indians three days, replenishing his provisions from those of the redskins. Native village after village was passed on the southward journey. On April 6th, the Mississippi divided into three branches. LaSalle took the right branch, sending Detonte on the middle and Dautre on the left. Six miles further south, the water was salt. LaSalle had conquered again. He had found the mouth of the big water. On April 9th, 1682. The king's banner, Detonte. Here it is, Robert. Who speaks of banners? I, LaSalle, your commander. The first to cross of God. The banner, yes, but first the cross. I plant the cross. The banner can wait. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, bless this land. Make it fruitful. Strengthen those great hosts who will follow us. And let peace reign here until the day of your divine and righteous judgment. Amen. Amen. And now, Detonte, the banner of the golden lilies. Dutre, you wield the mallet. Yes, Sir Robert. In the name of His Majesty, I hereby take possession of this mighty river. All the streams which flow into it, and all the territory through which these streams flow, for our great kingdom across the seas, France. And in honor of our great lord and mighty sovereign, King Louis XIV... I christen this land Louisiana. It was.
was by this historic act of La Salle, this intrepid son of France, that his mother country held her rights to her vast new world province. And it is by this act that the United States of America today not only holds the great state of Louisiana, but all territory north of the Texas line and west of the Mississippi River to the Rocky Mountains. Thus, westward the course of empire takes its way, guided by the staunch spirits of frontier fighters. Frontier Fighters. Frontier Fighters. Inspiring dramatic incidents in the lives of the trailblazers of the Far West. 1803. Seated in his study, President Thomas Jefferson is talking to his personal secretary. Captain Lewis, your attention, please. Yes, Mr. President. Captain, I'm a plain man. Plain spoken. Yes, Mr. President. You've been my confidential secretary now for, uh, let me see, two years. Uh, yes, sir. Two years, uh, lacking a few months. Captain, have you ever speculated why I chose an army officer to be my secretary? Uh, many times, Mr. President. Well, sir, you're, you're going to relieve me? Send me back to the troops? No, I'm not returning you to your regiment. Captain Lewis, you've no business in the army. No business in the army? Oh, you don't think I lack courage, sir? Of course not. Your record in the Whiskey Insurrection is ample proof of your courage. Well, then, Mr. Jefferson, just what do you infer? Captain Lewis, as third president of the United States of America, I contemplate sending an expedition to explore the great Northwest Territory beyond the Rocky Mountains. You, Captain Meriwether Lewis, and another Army officer will lead that expedition. Well, uh, I'm honored, sir, and thank you for your confidence. And uh, who, may I ask, is to be my colleague in this undertaking? A man like yourself, a soldier. Intelligent and courageous. A man who will sacrifice his life, if need be, to make this project a success. Captain William Clark. Winter, 1803. At the head of 26 men, 14 of them volunteer soldiers, the others Kentucky boys, Lewis and Clark were snowed in at the mouth of the Missouri River, near what is now the city of St. Louis until the spring thaws finally released them and they traveled on. Ever westward toward the setting sun toiled the Lewis and Clark cavalcade, fighting hostile Indians, exploring the hidden tributaries of the great Missouri River, blazing new trails through the dense but magnificent wilderness, charting paths never before trod by white men. The winter of 1804 saw Lewis and Clark among more friendly redskins in what is now southeastern Montana. One day, while the explorers were making a survey with their simple yet effective instruments... Hey, look. Look, Clark. In the valley there. Two men. They're both white, too. And an Indian girl. By Cornwall, one of the men is beating the girl. Well, we can't allow that. You're right, Lewis. Come on. That about enough, LeBlanc? He's about dead already. Uh, I got to wail the daylight out of an engine door to make him behave. <laughs> Stop. He's your wife now, not your slave girl any longer. You're married proper. That gives me more rights to whale her, and I'm taking them. <laughs> Quiet, I tell you. I'll face you on myself. Oh, you will, will you? 
We'll help you. Well, I will. You raise that whoop again and I'll thrash you within an inch of your life. And who might you be? I'm Captain Lewis. This is Captain Clark. How? Oh, my name's George Drewyer. We was on our way to pay your visit. Our expedition don't welcome white men who beat women. Not even Indian women. Uh, who's this man? And this Indian girl? He's Pierre LeBlanc. The girl's his squaw. Uh, oui. And we're married proper. Now, what's your business? Traders, trappers, or guides? Uh, neither. We're interpreters. What Indian we two men don't know, <laughs> my squad does. Does she understand English? <laughs> Some. Go ahead. Palaver with her. Uh, what's your name, girl? Sakajawea. Uh, who are your people? The snakes. Uh, what does Sakajawea mean among your people? Bird woman. I see. Uh, how did you come to marry this uh, LeBlanc? I... <laughs> ah, hold your tongue. I'll answer that. Yeah, we're listening. I won her in a game with the chief of the Minotrees. <laughs> she was a prisoner of war. Is that true, Sakajawea? Yes. Arthur Woman and we were captives. My man gambled 14 horses for me. He won. Ah, you're lower than a skunk, LeBlanc. Throw and dice for a woman. <laughs> we white men out here live according to Indian custom. I want both women fair and square. I married this one. <laughs> She can guide, too. And so you two men want jobs as interpreters. Huh? Yes, sir, we do. Well, you're hired at army pay. And listen, LeBlanc. <laughs> we, sir, uh, Captain, sir. If we ever catch you beating your squaw again, you'll wish you'd lost your 14 horses instead of winning this poor, abused girl. Do you understand? <clears throat> uh, yes, sir. Come on, you two, to the headquarters tent. The Indian girl, too. We start west at once. Grateful to Lewis and Clark for delivering her from the white man's lashings, Sakajawea many times saved the expedition from total annihilation. As one day, while on the plains... Hey, Clark! Look! There's buffalo on that rise! I see him. They look ugly, too. Yeah, they're milling. Waiting for that big bull leader to make up his mind. He's decided. There they go. There must be 10,000 animals in that herd. Yeah. Hey, hey the leader's seen us. He's swerving them. Great Cornwall are heading straight this way. What do we do? Look, Clark. The Kajawea coming out of that gulch. You see over there to my right? Is that gal insane? She was safe there in that gulch. She's running straight to the middle of the herd. And waving a blanket. Yeah, it's an old Indian trick. She intends to park the herd in the middle. Oh, she'll never do it. There's too many. Lewis, we're all goners. The Clark. The Clark, they're almost on her. They'll trample her down. Hey, hey wait a minute. She's flicking that big bull across the snow. Why, he stopped. And she hits him again. The herd's parting, Clark. It's parting. Down, everybody, down. Pray they'll pass us by. Hey, Clark. Clark, you... You all right? Sure. My eyes are full of dirt. <laughs> Well, the herd parted in the middle, just as the Kajawea had intended it should, and passed on either side of us. But where's the Kajawea? Uh, the girl's safe. She's still standing there where she hit that bull leader in the snow. <laughs> hey, look, Clark. She's waving a blanket at us. <laughs> look, man. I see her now. By Cornwall, Lewis, she's laughing at us. She's laughing at us. <laughs> Through unexplored forests, across forbidding mountains toiled the brave expedition. 
pushing the boundaries of the United States across the Rockies, adding to the nation's domain broad plains, fertile valleys, and snow-covered peaks, a dominion vast enough, rich enough to satisfy the ambition of kings. All through the long journey westward, with countless obstacles blocking the blood-stained, sweat-soaked path of the explorers, Sacagawea was constantly at the side of Lewis and Clark. The end of the month of June, 1805, found the party at the foot of the Great Falls of the Missouri. And, while making their tedious and harrowing portage around the Great Falls, Lewis and Clark and their intrepid companions celebrated the first Fourth of July ever to be held in Montana. Above Great Falls, they discovered that the Missouri River broke into three forks, which they named the Jefferson, the Madison, and the Gallatin. While traversing this country, they were deluged by numerous thunderstorms. Clark! This ain't a rain, it's a cloudburst. Better get out of this riverbed. This stream will be a torrent before long. Here it comes! Where's the Cajuia? Up ahead. Where you're always fine. You take the men to that rise over there, and I'll go after the Cajuia. All right. To the rise. All men in baggage. To Cajuia! Where are you? Hang on for your life. I'm coming. Sacagawea. Thank heavens I found you. What shall I do, Master Lewis? Hang on to my shoulders. Your arms tight around my neck. When I let go of this limo, I let the current take us downstream. Then trust in God. Here we go. Ah! Hold on, Sacagawea. We'll make it. so hard. Keep your feet together. That's fine. I can still see that still water ahead there. We'll make for that. The Padre, we are obeyed. Here we, here we are. Safe, safe and sound. I'm quiet now. Well, I take hold of these branches. Help us up out of the stream. Uh, uh, yeah. There you are. Now I can rest a bit on the sand. Well, great Cornwall, but that water was wet. Their buckskin garments hanging in tatters from their gaunt shoulders, their faces deeply seamed from hunger and exposure, their bare feet torn and bleeding their flesh seared by Indian arrows, the explorers finally reached the Columbia River. What's the date, Lewis? Uh, it's November 15th. It's 1805. Just around that bend of this river, Lewis. What do you see? Uh, I can't see anything, but I hear plenty. Listen. The sea, Lewis. The sea. That's sweet music, Clark. The roar of those breakers? I prefer the view. Blue water. Wide water. Salt water. Without limit. Mighty sea of the setting sun. The Pacific Ocean. And thus did victory crown the Lewis and Clark expedition. 
an epic struggle against almost overwhelming odds. A journey that gave America riches beyond human comprehension. Those pioneers of yesterday who followed that brave little band of trailblazers and their descendants of today owe a great and lasting debt of gratitude to Sakajawea, the simple Indian girl, who dedicated two years of her life to the service of her white brothers and sisters. And thus did the frontier fighters of yesteryear battle danger, the elements of nature, and discouragement to push the American boundary ever westward. <laughs> 